Uh, first and foremost, thank you all for being here tonight. From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. I'm, I'm really glad and happy that you're all out here. So I shall start. Mohammed Jafar is a candidate for Burlington South District City Council seat. I grew up here. My family migrated here when I was about seven years old, and I am a product of the Burlington school system. Jafar had gained attention early in the race for his background as a refugee and his progressive policy platform. I want to give back to the city that gave to me, and that is important for me. Because of the assistance that I have had, all the help that I have gotten, I have been able to create and be the character I am today, and I'm thankful for that. But this week, newly revealed misogynistic comments Jafar posted on Twitter from 2012 to 2016 have changed the conversation around that race. And they've brought home big picture questions about how to hold public figures accountable for their pasts. There's definitely a lot of competitive races in the city. Aiden Quigley is VT Digger's Burlington reporter. You know, there's a lot of energy from a group of young progressives. That's really been the main focus so far of the campaign, which was highlighted by Perry Freeman. She defeated a longtime progressive incumbent Jane Nodell at the Progressive Caucus in January for the Central District seat. So there's a lot of active, you know, progressive campaigns. Essentially, the progressives feel like they have an opportunity to pick up some seats and really change the tenor of the council and, you know, grab some political power back from Mayor Moreau Weinberger and his allies on the council. Hey, Mohammed, what are we doing outside of City Hall today? We're out here ready to submit the signatures for our bid for the city council seat in the South District. Tell me about Mohammed Jafar's campaign. So Mohammed is running against Joan Shannon, who's been a longtime Democrat on the council. Uh, she used to be the council's president, and she's definitely one of the leading Democrats on the city council. Uh, it's a three-way race. Paco Francis, who used to be the chair of the Burlington Republican Party, is running as an independent. Recently announced he was leaving the Republican Party. Mohammed Jafar's campaign was definitely bringing a lot of energy to the race, You know, getting a lot of attention for his backstory as a uh, you know, refugee who moved to Burlington. My family migrated from Kenya, though originally from Somalia. Uh, my parents actually fled civil strife in Somalia and made it to Kenya where the United Nations refugee camp was able to assist, uh, assist and provide us an opportunity to come here to the United States. And that's why I'm here before you today. So he's uh, talked a lot about housing, uh, income inequality, Opio- the opioid ec- epidemic, a lot of the uh, you know big issues facing the town um, that the progressives have been you know talking about. There's a lot of things that I saw growing up that still persist. A lot of issues that have really hurt families for a long time, and these issues should be being attended to. I feel that our legislators oftentimes move too slow on a lot of these things, and I wish that these issues would be better attended to. And for that reason, I want to get involved. And kind of the uh, increased integration of uh, you know new American communities in, in the city of Burlington. Burlington has a wealth, a wealth of culture. It has a wealth of an identity. And it's time we bring that about. We have so many different communities, and we oftentimes aren't getting together in a cohesive and wholesome setting where we can bring everyone to the table and have everyone be a part of that discussion so that we can really solve these problems. You know, really pushing some of the uh, bread and butter issues of the uh, progressives. So what changed for him this week? Yeah, so we uh, broke the story Monday afternoon that he had tweeted some sexist tweets uh, when he was in high school in his early years of college and some that uh, hinted at violence against women. 
How did you find out about these comments? So we got a tip that these were these were out there and started to look into them. We took some steps to make sure they were legitimate and, and his. And then we you know gave him a call. I gave him a call on Monday afternoon. Um, and he was very apologetic uh, about the tweets. Um, you know, he, he stressed that he has grown and changed since the time that he sent these and that they were part, they were kind of a symptom of a misogynistic society. But at the same time, he definitely took responsibility in our conversation for sending these tweets. He said, he stressed that they were not indicative of his character uh, at this point. And, you know, and he, he said that it was, you know, everyone who was hurt and offended by the comments had the right to be and that they were, you know, especially heinous. You know, I read the article and, you know, I was really disappointed and and shocked. And then, you know, kept on reading the articles and, you know, did find out that actually that Mohammed has changed. One of Jafar's defenders is Ali Jang. He definitely has changed, shown so much growth in between based on the same subject about women. Ali is a Burlington city councilor who's also a member of the New American community. He says Jafar's background is an important factor here. Mohammed came from a culture, a culture where women are not really well respected within even the family boundaries, you know. And Mohammed, as a young boy coming here in the United States, had a father, and he did not have anybody while growing up reminding him what is important and why it is important um, to help women to bring them up for equality and for justice. He did not have that. But I've seen him change by himself. And I think we need to harness that change in order for him to now do the work with other new Americans who live here. Some people are saying, you know, we need to allow people the chance to grow and mature. And it's clear that he has since then You talked to some other people about this idea that this doesn't represent kind of the way he is in person. Tell me about some of those conversations. Yeah, so I talked to a couple of, you know, progressives on Monday. Uh, Josh Ronsky, who's the executive director of the Progressive Party in Vermont, you know, said that the tweets were, you know, disappointing and wrong and it's important to hold people accountable. You know, but he's also stressed that people should have the ability to learn and grow over time and that the tweets do not reflect who he is today. And then Freeman, uh, Perry Freeman, the progressive city council candidate in the central district, you know, said that she feels that, you know, the tweets represent his views at a much younger age and that she feels that he has evolved since then. But, you know, of course, she stressed that, you know, the tweets are misogynistic and, you know, jokes about violence against women are never okay. I should note that both Mohammed Jafar and Josh Waronsky tentatively agreed to be interviewed for this piece and both changed their minds within a day of our initial conversation. What it seemed to happen in this instance was a doubling down or tripling down. You know, I suspect that some of that's organized, and I suspect that some of that is ad hoc. This is Ed Adrian. Ed served on the Burlington City Council from 2007 to 2012. There does not seem to be any backing down, even though clearly the situation is not a great situation to be in for... This young man who, you know, by all accounts is a good guy, but that doesn't necessarily make up for what's occurred in the recent past. Ed's been a vocal critic of Jafar's decision to stay in the race. Withdraw, do some rehabilitation, regroup in a few years, and I don't have an exact number, you know, after that rehabilitation has been done, 
working with groups um, that advocate for change in this area, um, understanding things a little bit more, working maybe with people who have been even victimized by language like this. And then I think you can come back from a place of saying, I made a mistake when I was in my teens. And that mistake was realized when I ran for public office in my early 20s. And now it's been five or 10 years later. And here's what I've done since. I read the article and I thought they're not just dumb sexist jokes, that they're promoting violence against women and quite openly. So they weren't just demeaning, they were scary. And, you know, I know a lot of survivors of violence and sexual assault, but the words brought back a lot of pain. Another critic this week was Valerie Carzello, who ran for a Chittenden County State Senate seat last year. She said it would be hard for her to trust Jafar as a public official after reading his comments. You're in a leadership position. You're in a place where people have to trust you to make decisions that affect their family. If I was his constituent, I wouldn't right now feel comfortable approaching him with women's issues, for example, or sexual violence issues or hate issues. I would be too nervous. So I think you have to be somebody that somebody would feel comfortable approaching with problems in their own lives. She also said he could work to resolve that trust issue, but it would take more time. He's 22, and at 32, he could have 10 years of community service with women and women survivors and talking it out and understanding a new place and a new perspective. I talked to Joan Shannon before we published, and you know, she said that she has a daughter in high school, and she could never imagine her friends tweeting, you know, things like Jafar did when you know when he was in high school just a few years ago. She thought that the tweets were disqualifying for a city council candidate, you know, in in that they were so misogynistic and, and violent. It's interesting that uh, this conversation is happening here now, kind of against the backdrop of what's happening in Virginia with the governor and lieutenant governor there both facing accusations around past indiscretions. And it seems like there's this ongoing conversation about how tolerant people should be of previous behavior by office holders or, or candidates for public office. Yeah, so there's a discussion to be had about repentance, I guess, in, in the public square and you know the ability to you know, allow people to grow and to move on from past views and how do you kind of square the need to hold people responsible and accountable for their beliefs and previous actions with, you know, an ability to allow people to grow. I have been thinking a lot about that and I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. At the State House this week, we spoke to Selena Colburn. She represents Burlington in the House. She said Jafar's tweets were reprehensible but she hasn't decided whether she thinks he should step aside. So I, in my work in politics at this point, a lot of my work is focused on criminal justice reform, on restorative justice, on making sure that when people face repercussions for their actions and have to pay debts to society, that those debts and repercussions are reasonable and don't preclude someone from growth and change and and becoming a full and contributing member of society. So it's I think it's an open question. Like, when do we allow growth and change? And what does accountability look like, particularly at this moment in time, for things that people have said and done that are reflective of real harms in the culture at large. 
What do you mean by that? Like, what is it about this moment in time that is significant? So I think we're seeing a more widespread recognition of how pervasive racism is, how pervasive sexism is. And we're seeing people held accountable in new ways. The Me Too movement, you know, looking back at how people have participated in dominant cultural modes that are really racist is part of that. And so we're kind of in this moment where people are being held accountable for things in their past. And I think in some ways that's a really good and powerful thing. And I think in some ways it's becoming a stand-in for actually addressing the systemic harms in our culture. So like, how do we change institutional racism? How do we change institutional sexism so young men aren't absorbing these and normalizing these beliefs and spitting them back out into the world, right? And that's a question sometimes that it seems like people are less interested in asking than like, how are we going to punish this person who did this thing? It does seem though like some of the people who comment on this see people who are in elected office or seeking elected office having them step aside is almost a first step to addressing some of those questions because if you have people in office who have expressed sort of regressive views that you're not going to make progress on those questions if those people are are holding positions of power. I'm curious, what do you feel about this sort of question of should we have zero tolerance for certain past indiscretions or, you know, is there a certain amount of, you know, you talked about rehabilitation. How do we know how rehabilitated someone has to be to uh, hold a leadership position. Right. And what's the line? And like, are we applying those standards equitably? I think what he said is horrible. I also think as a young black man in our culture, he's being scrutinized in a different way. And he's also has really different expectations of him about how he has to prove himself. Does a young white man who's running in the same race as Muhammad, who's also made, I think, incredibly abhorrent statements on Twitter, get the same degree of scrutiny or the same public outcry to step down. Aiden, you've reported on this that Jafar's opponent, Paco de Francis, has also gotten in trouble for posting offensive comments on Twitter. Yeah, so... DeFrancis has been a very outspoken Republican on social media, um, especially in in relating to local issues uh, and running up to the campaign uh, last year. He's taken a lot of far right positions and positions that even, you know, have crossed lines. And he says that he regrets for sure. For example, he posted dash cam footage of Senator Debbie Ingram's DUI arrest. And he wrote good riddance to heroin users who don't have the quote unquote self-control to get treatment. You know, he says that he apologizes for these and that, you know, he's grown since the midterm elections, but that's an even more recent, you know, that was in November and we're, you know, it's February. DeFrancis has definitely also been a controversial figure on Twitter, to say the least. So I don't have a magic line, right, of like, well, if someone has done X, Y, and Z, they should be allowed to run for office or be in a position of leadership. Yeah, I think that's the question I'm asking, just like you. And I don't, I mean, I didn't endorse Muhammad, so I don't have any personal support to withdraw from him. You are a member of the same party, though, the progressives. Kind right. Of, yeah. right. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. And he went through a nominating process with the progressive party. 
and there's no mechanism to like formally withdraw the nomination. So then I think there's this gray area of, well, what's the right response? I think part of what has generated some controversy in specifically regarding Jafar is that he is a progressive and that the progressive party is so focused on social justice and that the specific topics of those posts were, you know, that they were misogynistic and they, you know, directly contradicts with the sort of message of equality and social justice that the progressive party kind of has as part of its platform. Yeah, I think that's why it's been really heartbreaking to a lot of us to see a candidate that I think a lot of people were really excited about express these really harmful views and then to have to grapple with these questions like, so is redemption from those views possible on what timeline, right? You know, I can say there are really thoughtful conversations happening among progressives about exactly that. I haven't talked to anybody who's like, oh, this is no problem. This is not an issue. Why is anyone making a big deal about this? I have seen those sentiments expressed, not by anyone who identifies as a progressive. People are really concerned and and really being thoughtful about how to weigh all the factors. Whatever he decides to do, I personally would support him. But I would want him to keep on running this race. He made a mistake. I think he learned from this mistake and now he is the one who needs to lead that work. With what came to light recently with those old tweets of Mohammed, I think he is the one now who needs to lead this work, not only for women, not only for also the city, but for the state. I see that way forward from where I'm sitting. I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's his time. It is definitely his time. And people of Burlington, they know that people change and they will give people another chance. There are some obvious parallels to... Um, what's gone on with the Virginia governor's race. I mean, you swap gender for race. The campaign in this instance basically carried exactly what went on in Virginia in this instance, which was he wants to have a discussion now moving forward. You know, the Virginia governor said, I want to be the champion of these racial initiatives. Well, okay, but the time to have done that was not after you get caught with something. Time to do that was realize. I've made a mistake before, I guess, you're quote-unquote caught, and you know, make amends for that. I don't think that there's a specific formula for making amends. I think you could probably come up with a number of reasonable ways that you could be involved in rehabilitation and outreach. I honestly think that Jafar should step out of the race, and I'm not saying that lightly or to hurt him as a human, because I do believe he wants to learn, change, and grow from this experience. And I do believe his apology was sincere. But having said all that, I think a few years in the community working with women and survivors of violence would be a good step in regaining trust with women. Women, and especially his constituents, shouldn't have to do emotional labor while men learn about rape culture in general. Uh, while men wor- learn about violence and how to treat women, women die from violence inflicted on them. So I just think now is not the time for him to run. Aiden, I'm kind of curious to just get a sense of what the paths forward might be. What do you think are the options here for what happens next? You know, so it sounds to me like, at least on Monday, 
you know, people were standing by Jafar and, and he was going to move forward with the support of the Progressive Party. I have no indication that that's changed since then. Uh, I'm sure that groups around the city are talking about this issue and talking about what the best next steps would be for him. It, it seems like he will stay in the race. You know, I'm not sure how much this will affect his electoral chances, but, you know, town meeting day is less than a month away. And, you know, it should be interesting to see how the rest of the campaign plays out. Okay. Thanks, Aiden. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I will uh, see you soon. You can find all of Aiden's reporting on the Burlington City Council races at vtdigger.org. You can also follow Aiden on Twitter for updates from Burlington City Council meetings and other stories he's following around Chittenden County. His handle is Quigley Aiden. That's A-I-D-A-N. The Deeper Dig comes out every week. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get new episodes as soon as they're released. We had reporting help from Colin Mine this week, and we used music by Blue Dot Sessions and Lee Rosevere. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.